When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did we misunderstand how coronavirus is transmitted in healthcare settings? And did this cost lives of frontline healthcare workers? So a new Kaiser Health News article uh, really sort of makes the case that we screwed this up big time, including CDC. I mean, everyone in public health community and even myself, because looking at the early data, looking at our, our information from SARS, the original SARS, it was felt that, well, this thing seems to spread through droplets unless you have an aerosol generating procedure, which in the age of SARS, it seemed to be intubating people, putting in breathing tubes, bronchoscopy, uh, non-invasive ventilation like BiPAP and CPAP, forcing in air and, the thought was, well, that's what was making people sick by by aerosolizing, by taking bigger droplets and making them smaller droplets and spreading them. And in order to prevent that kind of thing from infecting a healthcare worker, you needed to wear a very high efficiency, well-fitted mask like an N95 or a papper or something pretty extreme. You couldn't just go around with a surgical mask because there's you know, ways that air get, gets around surgical masks and these small particles, these that hang in the air can get around and into your deep parts of your lung because they're so small. And so the theory was we have limited N95 masks. Let's, CDC said, okay, if you're doing an aerosol generating procedure like intubation, BiPAP, bronchoscopy, then you should wear those masks. Everyone else can get away with surgical masks in healthcare settings. Well, then you start looking at who's dying. And it turns out it wasn't people in ICU and those kind of high level, you know, places where you think the aerosolizing procedures are being done. It was actually in emergency departments and nursing homes and clerks and waiting rooms and things like that. And looking at the data now, this piece actually makes a compelling case that new science has emerged that says, actually intubation, that you would think would spew out all kinds of particles. And by, by the way, let, let, let me back up for a second. What, how, what is this, how is this thing even spread, right? We know that the, this coronavirus is spread by, mostly by super spreaders. The 20% of people that spread 80% of the disease, there are people who generate more respiratory particles than average. And what we've seemed to piece together is that this often happens not when you're necessarily so sick that you need to be intubated and ventilated, but often before that. You're, you're symptomatic, so symptomatic people have higher respiratory droplet transmission according to the studies. If you're older, if you're obese, you tend to be more likely to generate large volumes of respiratory droplets. 
of all sizes. And everybody generates all sizes, but it's the very, very small sizes that can go the farthest, hang in the air in poorly ventilated spaces the longest, and can get around surgical and poorly fitted cloth masks. So you already know that there's certain types of patients that are higher risk, right? So what did they do when they looked at intubation and they actually carefully studied how many particles were being admitted and they compared it to people who were just breathing heavily, like they're short of breath or they're coughing. And it turns out a volitional cough where you just, <coughs> that sort of thing, has multiple times the respiratory aerosols being produced than intubation. Because intubation is controlled. It's in a controlled setting usually. You have a, a face mask that you're pre-oxygenating with. Now the risk factors of intubation is you're close to the patient, you're close to the respiratory airway for prolonged periods of time in a room that may not have the best negative pressure ventilation and the patient is clearly sick, right? But this data was saying, well, actually you're at higher risk being around somebody who's coughing or breathing heavily or a super spreader, obese, older, higher risk, who's infected who is just around. And if there's poor ventilation, it's worse. If you're with them for a long time, it's worse. If you're closer to them, it's worse. So what did CDC say and the rest of the public health community in the early days of the pandemic and up until just recently? Look, unless you're doing an aerosolized procedure, you can get away with a surgical mask in a healthcare setting, you know, plus or minus the face shield. And save the N95s, which were in short supply, understandably early on, for people doing the highest risk stuff, which they felt were these aerosolizing procedures, aerosolizing procedures. It turns out the biggest aerosolizing procedure is a sick patient who's coughing or a sick super spreader who's breathing heavily. And so what ends up happening? We have 3,500 frontline healthcare workers dead, which by the way is higher than the CDC count. This is This was data obtained by Kaiser Health News in uh, conjunction with The Guardian. The majority of those were nurses and ancillary support staff who spent a lot of time with patients, turning them, putting in IVs up close. And many of them were in nursing homes where the patients were more likely to be super spreaders, not intubated, but more likely to be super spreaders. So where's the aerosolizing, aerosolizing procedures? It's breathing, it's being, it's existing for those patients. And that put those healthcare workers at risk. And so now you have people who've lost their lives because of guidance. Now, even worse than that, because the CDC says, well, you're not considered exposed to a coronavirus patient if you're wearing a surgical mask and maybe a face shield, I forget their exact guidance. And so if, you're, if that's the case, and then you get COVID despite having that equipment with COVID positive patients, they'll just say, well, you got sick in the community then. It wasn't a healthcare exposure, which may not be true. And so there was some data, and that's in the links in the article as well, looking at outbreaks in hospitals where asymptomatic or symptomatic patients managed to infect a ton of healthcare workers, including those wearing face shields and surgical masks. And it just tells you that this idea of these small particles that are emitted particularly by super spreaders, that, that's how this thing is spread. Not by the, and in fact, BiPAP, CPAP, these non-invasive ventilations have had lower particle generation than coughing and heavy breathing. So 
it's better to treat those patients quickly. Remember in the early days, we were saying, don't put them on BiPAP, don't put them on CPAP, intubate them right away because otherwise you'll generate all this spread. No, the opposite, just don't, don't. And you wanna avoid intubation if you can. That's another thing we learned. Notice how this evolved as a learning process where you take the data, you update what you, what you do. That's, it's not following the science, it's following science as an approach to solving problems. There's no dogma here. It's about how do you answer these questions? And so the, the point now is, well, what should we be telling frontline healthcare workers? Well, first we ought to be telling them, get your ass vaccinated ASAP, because that is the best answer for protection in healthcare settings. All right, these extremely effective vaccinations. Okay, but we might be saying, well, okay, yeah, if you're doing, if you're up close in someone's respiratory tract, you need an N95 mask. But if you work in the emergency department, if you work in a nursing home around patients who are high risk, you probably need an N95. And if you can't do the N95, this is where the two mask thing becomes interesting because you can approximate some vestige of an N95 by putting a, taking a surgical mask. And I'm talking to healthcare workers here. I'm not talking about people going out in the community and doing this, right? That's a whole nother discussion that, you can take a surgical mask and put a well-fitted cloth mask over that. And what it does, it creates a better seal and a couple layers of filtration, but really it's getting that those gaps around the side and, and here really tightened up and that, that will help a lot. So this, this is what we've learned, right? Now we better understand this if we're gonna keep our front lines safe. Now here's what is kind of the most hurtful part about this. Nurses were screaming about this from early on. They're like, we don't feel safe. And administrators acting on CDC guidance, and even, even I was like, I don't know that you need N95s for most of these cases. I was probably wrong. The nurses were right, as usual, listen to your nurses. Cause they said, no, we need better, we need N95s. We don't feel safe. And who are the majority of the people who got sick? Nurses, including people of color. So, you know, it, 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 it's heartbreaking in the end, but if we don't wake up and see what we did wrong, we're never, we're gonna repeat these errors. And it's important that they're doing the science now because when the first SARS came by, they reviewed the original data and said, oh, it looks like these aerosolizing procedures, but you know what? Those studies were really low quality. We need better data. Well, we never got the better data before SARS-2 came out, the sequel, and now we're suffering for that. So we better science the crap out of this, all right? I will link to the article here. If you guys like how we do things, the absence of fear porn and doom bait and trying to just be rational alt-middle actors in the world, support the show on Locals. You can go to zdogmd.locals.com or Facebook or YouTube. Um, or you can give us a one-time donation and I will send you a personal email. Thank you from my personal email. You can go to paypal.me forward slash ZDogMD. And that's how we support the show. It's kind of like when you see these TV docs pitching supplements and stuff, they pay for their show that way. I pay for my show by selling out to big you. I love you guys. Please share this video and we are out. Peace.
Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, It just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.